everybody. Good morning. I think it's going to be an awesome morning. Anytime you drive to Glenwood, remember you forgot your entire sermon, drive it back to Rifle, and drive back here, and make it in time. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Let me just make sure I'm hot, but not too hot here. It's not on yet, I don't think. Keep talking. Matt, you're looking good today. How do you feel about that? That sounds about right. Your mama, your mama, your mama. You good? All right. Hey, I'm really excited for, oh, that's hot. Turn that down. I'm excited for this morning. I think it's, uh, it's going to be good. Here's what I want to do. Um, these first four chapters of Luke are proclaiming the coming of Christ. And I want to review that, and I want you to hear those words new and fresh. After this proclaiming that he's coming here, the sermon settles in on that scripture that Matt just read, which is this revelation of the nature of Christ. It's an uncloaking of who he is, so that Christ is hidden, and then all of a sudden you see him uncloaked and ready to go. I tell you, I was a teacher for 24 years, and it's so funny, because the teacher in me is like, that kid's not listening. I'm going to push it. Let's go over here and talk to this guy. Use his proximity. Get this guy. What's going on? Sorry. Can I go back to my old ways? So we're going to talk about the revelation of Christ, and then we're going to explain at the end of that. I have three things I want you to take home out of that, which I think are pretty awesome in fighting this spiritual warfare. One is this idea of vision, that we might see how God sees. The second one is that we would speak the truth to ourselves and to others as a weapon against evil. And then thirdly, we might know who we are as a man. So that's where we're going, that's what we're gonna do, and I'm kind of excited and pumped up, and I hope, it, I hope it goes well. We had a little technical thing in the middle of this, which we came early to check on, so we'll just see whether it actually works or not. I'll figure that out, so. All right. Need glasses, and let's go. So, in the proclaiming of things, one of my favorite things that gives me goosebumps is the opening of the Supreme Court. Do you know how that goes? There's, a, there's an old Latin phrase, oye, okay, that they say at the, oh my gosh. There's a, an old Latin word that they use when they open the Supreme Court, and it goes like this. Oh, but you know what? Where is it? Here it is. Oye, oye, oye. All persons having business before the court, before the Honorable Supreme Court of the United States, are now admonished to draw near and give their attention. For this court is in sitting. God save the United States. God save this honorable court. It gives me goosebumps when I hear that. If you've ever been in the Supreme Court when that happens, it's awesome. Okay, because there's a certain amount of, you know what I should do? This is, I can lose that. You're, just, you're done with that. So you <laughs> throw it back there and just kind of let it go. Okay. Um, and so I want you to hear these proclamations of Christ. There's these voices that are saying, hey, something's coming. Stop. Listen. Hear what he has to say. There's a one coming. There's one that's going to be different than any other person. So number one, the angel says to Mary, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will not have end. 
When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice, and she said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? I love those two proclamations. To the shepherds, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. The angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which will bring will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Simeon prophesied, he said, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. So as these voices started to go out, people began to hear, and they began to think, and they began to wonder, who is this? Who is this that's coming? John says, Indeed, I will baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And Jesus came, and he was also baptized. And while he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my one dear son, in you I take great delight. And then there's a thing that happens that Matt talked about last week, which is the self-proclamation. And usually when we do a self-proclamation, that's invalid, right? Like if I stand up here and go, I am awesome. That smells bad, doesn't it? You know why it smells bad? Because it's a lie, right? But it's and, not. And, oh, but it is. <laughs> Just ask him. He's lived with me a long time, 35 years, right? It's a lie. But there's one exception. It's called the Jesus exception, right? When Jesus gets up and he says, I am awesome, he's telling the truth, right? And it doesn't stink. What would stink is if Jesus said, I am not awesome, because that would be a lie, right? But if he says he's awesome. So here's the self-proclamation from Christ. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release of the captives and to recover the sight to the blind, to set those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That proclamation, that self-proclamation is valid and awesome. All right, to the text. You're in this city, and Jesus is preaching, and people can feel. I don't know if you've been around a crowd. I taught in high school for a long time, 1,000 kids, and you just get a pulse of it, right? All of a sudden, you feel a little tension over here, and there's something happening here, and your goosebumps kind of come up, and you're like, oh, we're going to take care of this. Something's going to happen now. And sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's bad, and whatever, but you feel that. Well, there's this tension in Capernaum. Something's happening, and people hear this stir, and it's going, and they can feel it. And I want you to feel that tonight, or this morning. I want you to feel to try to use your imagination. If I read you this text, it's kind of dry. It's kind of there. But I want you to feel that goosebumpy feeling. And I know sometimes that makes us a little nervous because we'd rather just shit like this and you know not have any emotions or anything. But I want you to feel the passion of that will happen because I think it's pretty uh, awesome and pretty intense. So as he's there, the demons cry out to him and they said, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. 
So all this that's been proclaimed, that Jesus is coming, that this one is a man of power, is all of a sudden being uncorked. There's this great moment when Gandalf has fought with the Balrog, and he's gone down into the depths, and he comes back out, and he's cloaking himself, he's hiding himself a little bit, and they look, and he just reveals himself, and this white light shines out of him, and he recloaks himself, right? Because he's hiding that. And in some sense, Christ is always that way, right? We don't see the full majesty and power and beauty and strength and awesomeness of Jesus, but we do get these little glimpses, don't we? Get these little moments where we're like, oh, oh, this man is something different. This man is something powerful. So what would that be like to be in that moment when all of a sudden the veil is pulled back and this demonic world is shaking and terrified at the coming of God to put them down and into their place. I think our bodies would, we would feel that. You know, we would feel that. Well, let me go first of all to the context. And I think I can do the context. The context is part of what I threw all over uh, the place here. But if you go to the rest of the scripture, there's a little bit of context. And I want you to see that this battle, not even really a battle between Christ and the demon. It's not a battle, right? A battle you think one's going to win, one's going to lose. It's more of like a, no, you're done kind of thing, right? It's not actually right. But this context of this spiritual conflict, listen to what John says. He says, the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. I felt that this week at work. It was hard. It was dirty. A lot of F-bombs everywhere. People angry. People hurt. People sad. People struggling. You know, people nervous. People scared. People's lives destroyed. Divorces and child, children being Kim was telling me this week about holding a baby, this little four-week-old baby, four-month-old baby, born to a mom who was on meth, and the terror and the horror of that, right? Talking to a woman, 60, who was still weeping over an abortion that she had had when she was 17. This world's hard. Beat up sometimes. It's broken. John says, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. But he also says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Amen. Amen to that. That's a hopeful context. Just want to make sure I'm on the right page here. Okay, here we go. Ephesians. We have to do Ephesians. Look at this. You know this context. Finally, be strengthened in the Lord and the strength of his power. Clothe yourself with the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world, the rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you might be able to stand your ground on the evil day. And having done everything to stand, then you will have life forever. <laughs> And finally, one more little context here, which I think is just, I love the scripture. Be sober, Peter says, be sober-minded, be alert, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So that's the context. This is the spiritual thing that's going on around us in this moment when Christ comes into this town and the demons call him out and say, if you come to destroy us, and he casts the demon out of that young man. So how can I get this across to you? I want to tell you a story about a bear. 
This is the bear story. And I heard it this week and I love this story and it just means so much uh, metaphorically to me for lots of other contexts. A young man who uh, lived in Alaska, he was originally from Colorado and he was a wilderness guy. And he was a young newlywed, right? And he and his wife had been apart for the summer as he was leading these expeditions deep into Alaska and she was working in Anchorage. And he comes to meet her for the second anniversary and he's so excited to see her. And she sits him down on the couch and she says, uh, something I have to tell you. Uh, that summer we were married last summer, I was having an affair. And I had that affair the whole time. And I had it after we were married. And everybody in that little town knows about that. And this young man was crushed. He was crushed to the ground and he was beat. And he didn't even know if he wanted to live after that. And of course, they separate out and he leaves her and he goes to his friends because he's trying to figure out how do I make sense of this? He was humiliated and he was shamed and it was hard. And so he's talking to his friends and he's beat up and he's trying to recover and get his bearings. And he's deep in Alaska. I mean, deep in the wilderness of Alaska. And he's wandering in the woods. And it's kind of funny because he's a wilderness guide and then he gets lost, right? Which really shouldn't happen. And as he's wandering in the woods, he steps on a twig and he looks over to the left and there's a 750 pound grizzly that's coming after him. And if you know anything, the grizzly, the Alaskan grizzly bear is the most powerful mammal on the planet. Not proud of human history, but they've, they've pitted grizzlies against tigers. Grizzly will kill the tiger like nothing. Lions, kill it like nothing. 750 pound bear, uh, will run up to 40 miles an hour. And there's not a lot you can do when that happens. The wrong thing you should do is run. That is the worst thing you can do. What you might want to do is fall down, put your hand over your neck, and play dead. And maybe the grizzly will play with you and go away. Okay? Those are two options. Well, this grizzly roars and attacks and comes after him. So the first thing he does, because he's a human, is he, he runs. <laughs> and as he's getting around, he goes, that's not the right thing to do. And he takes another step, and he goes, that grizzly's going 40 miles an hour. Takes another step, he goes, I should play dead. And he says to himself, I've been dead all week. I'm about as dead as I can be. I'm humiliated, I'm grown to the ground, I'm done with it. And so he turns, he puts his lime green sleeping bag over his head, and he roars from the depth of his heart at this bear. Okay, and that's where we're going to pick up the story right here, as he roars at this darn bear that's coming at it full speed. So this was the part we were coming early with to get our technology right. Uh, is this on? Yes. <laughs> 
big thing. So I look the bear directly in the eyes, which you are also not supposed to do. <laughs> and I dig down deep, deep inside, past the burst bubble of McCarthy and the shards of my broken heart, down to a place that is not broken, to a place that cannot be destroyed. And from there, I roar. And then I charge the bear. <laughs> and I don't think that's what the bear was expecting to do. Because <laughs> it looked at me, huffed, and ran into the Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I want to use this as a little bit of a metaphor here, okay? Traditionally in Christian circles, when we talk about the things that attack us, it's the world, it's our flesh, and it's the demonic world. I don't know what bear is charging you. I know a lot of the bears that have charged me over time. I don't know what's going on in your life, and I don't need to know. What I can tell you as a teacher and, and working up at the airport now and as a 57-year-old man, I've seen a lot of lives destroyed and beat up and injured and hurt. And it could be uh, just greed, could be gossip, could be pornography, could be drugs, could be alcohol, could be broken relationships, but and it could be the world. And it could be the flesh, and it could be demonic activity. But as that bear charges you, I want to encourage you to do a couple of things here. If the bear are those, is those things that are charging you, I needed to be shocked and driven off by the roar of Christ. Because here's, here's what really happened there. If you turn and fight those things that are attacking you, again, the world, the flesh, or the devil, Right? And you put that sleeping bag over your head and you charge it. See, in the reality of the Christian life, what's happening is, yeah, that's a 750-pound bear coming at you, but there's a 75,000-pound Jesus behind you. Right? And so when that bear turns and runs, it's not because of you, it's because of what? It's that 75,000-pound Jesus bear, right? <laughs> that's going after and scaring that other bear off in the woods. It is important, though, that you choose to turn and fight. I think when things attack you, it's best not to run. And it's best not to decide to die. Do not forget. When Jesus talks about Satan, he says, Satan is a murderer, and he's been a murderer from the beginning. All these things that might seem like little things in your life that might attack you, the end of those things is death. Satan wants you to die. His favorite thing, I think, in the whole world is self-death, is suicide. Because he is a murderer at his core, right? And so you need to realize whether it seems like a little thing right now, it's in the end intending to consume you and kill you and wipe you out. And there's so many things we can talk about. You know, I don't want to list all the things because you know, you know what's going on in your own heart. 
units there and how that's working out. So let me just make sure I'm in the right spot here. There we go. So here's what you need to do. James says, submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay? That's what we need to do. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Okay? And the depression and the eating thing and the whatever thing that's in your deal will begin to back off. I want you to see too that this redemption happens in the mess of the world. I was reading about Karl Barth, of course. I'm always reading Karl Barth, right, Carla? That's right, we are. He says, redemption occurs in the midst of the upheaval and amid of the chaos of the unredeemed humanity. In other words, redemption doesn't occur in some holy high place up there. It happens in the mess of our lives, right? In the brokenness of our lives. That's where redemption comes. God must not be sought as though he sat enthroned upon the summit of some religious attainment. He is to be found not there, but on the plane where men suffer in sin. So as much as I don't like to be in the nastiness sometimes of work and the brokenness and the hurt and the people just going nuts, that's where God is. He's with us sinners. He's with us broken people. He's right in the middle of the mess, okay? And that's where we find him, which I think is kind of awesome, okay? Even in a middle school, Shelly. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Bart also says this when he talks about Romans 1. I just think it's important to say. He says, the whole burden of sin and the curse of death still press heavily upon us. We must be under no illusion. The reality of our present existence continues as it is. The resurrection, which is the place of exit, also bars us in. For it's both barrier and exit. And what he's saying is that you need to hold this into place. Behold, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And yet, we're still here. We're still in this flesh. We're still broken. We're not perfect. We're not totally healed. And you have to be able to hold both of those things in your mind. Does that make sense? I mean, amen on that? Do you see that? You've got to be able to carry both of those or you're going to go crazy. Okay, because that is the actual reality of where we are. All right. A lot of stuff everywhere. I don't know what the heck's going on there. So my prayer for you today is simple. And that is that I just pray that the sin or the brokenness or the things that are oppressing you or hurting you would be shocked by the roar of Jesus. I mean, yeah, we turn and roar, right? And we have to make that choice. But I want it to be shocked. Listen to what Zephaniah says. The Lord your God is living among you. He is mighty to save. A victorious warrior. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will refresh your life with his love. He will delight in you with shouts of joy. So whatever the bear is that's coming after you, his love for you is so much more powerful and so much stronger and so much more beautiful than that. Okay? And yet, I think you should be a little terrified of the 750-pound bear coming at you. I want you to have a healthy respect of the things that consume you and ruin your family and your life. But I also want you to see the power of the 75,000 pound Jesus bearer. Which I don't even know if Jesus bearer is a term, but 
Not a biblical term. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So this is what I want you to do today. Deuteronomy says, so choose life. See, he could have laid on the ground and stayed dead, right? If suicide had really been his heart, because he questioned after he was shamed in the situation, should I just die? Life's too painful. Should I just die? He didn't want to die, did he? Because that bear would have been the easiest way to just flat die, right? And so he didn't lay down and die. He got up and he turned and he roared at that bear that was coming at him. And that's what I want you to do. And that's what God calls you to do in Deuteronomy, which we'll hit next summer, right? So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him. Hold fast. All right, three little things that'll help here. Matt talked about uh, just I, this stuck so so I just can't forget what he was talking. He was talking about Simeon. He said, you know, Simeon was full of the Holy Spirit, and so when he was full of the Holy Spirit, he saw Mary differently. And I never looked at that right. You could have looked at Mary as this pregnant sixteen-year-old girl that's poor and has nothing, and as she wandered up with these two little lame turtle doves to make her sacrifice at the altar. Simeon could have just blown her off because the world would have blown her off, right? But instead, Simeon saw her through the Holy Spirit and he saw something different. He saw the mother of the Son of God. He saw Mary who was going to bring forth Jesus into the world. That's my first thing. I need you to have vision, to see differently, right? Because as Christians, we see the invisible. Bart says, believers see the invisible. You see differently if you're a believer. Okay? And that's right. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. And my thoughts are higher than yours. So how are you going to see as God sees? Answer, the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. He's going to convict you of sin. He's going to lead you with all truth. He's going to guide you and be the comforter and be the advocate. And you need to have the Holy Spirit filling your heart and filling your life. Again, this vision thing is interesting, and I'll stop quoting Bart after this one, okay? But Bart says, when we see the wrath of God, because we as believers see differently, we see the wrath of God, we don't just see this wrath coming, we see the righteousness of God coming at us. When we see the crucified Christ, we don't just see a bloody Christ on the cross, we also see the risen Christ, right? By the way, if you only saw one, would that be right? See, I think that's where heresy is, right? If you leave Jesus as this crucified, bloody Christ on the cross, or if you just see only the resurrected Christ and you don't see the crucifixion, you have to see both to be right in that, right? We need the resurrected Christ, and we also need the crucified. We need the crucified Christ to die for us. And as we see Jesus, we need to see all of that. When we see death, you could be at a funeral and just see death, right? But if you really see with believers' eyes, and this person is covered by the blood of the Lamb, when you see death, you should see what? Life. Life. Death is both, what do you say in that first quote? Death is a barrier that holds us in, 
and it's also the place of exodus. So the world is terrified of death. I mean, I see so many people coming through an Aspen airport with the little duck face thing they did. You know the surgery, the duck face surgery? you know what the duck face surgery is? You don't? Oh, well, you should get one. It's pretty cool. But it's, a, it's a plastic surgery that turns your whole face like this, and it gives you a little duck look. And you can be 95 years old, and everything's tight, and you look for a duck face. Look for it. Look for the duck face surgery. Then coming to a doctor's office near you. Um, I don't think they're free, though. But anyway, because people are terrified of dying, right? But we should be, in a weird way, okay with death, right? Because it's a barrier that holds us into this broken place, and it's also an exit out of here. Okay? All right, let's go on. So that's the, that's the first thing, is get a vision. See as God sees. Micah says in Micah 7, I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. But don't mock me. Don't make fun of me because you know what? The very God that is bringing this wrath and judgment on me is also the God of my salvation. And he will draw me out of this pit. That's cool. Micah 7. Next thing, tell the truth. Who do you lie to the most? Myself. If you're if you're telling me you don't lie to yourself, you're lying to yourself. Okay? We must learn to be honest with ourselves. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. What weapon does Satan have against you? He is the father of lies. The only weapon that he has is to lie to you. And it's always that little half a bubble off, right? We're making this deck with my kids, and they're like, I don't know, Mitch is like 10, Corey's like 8, and we're putting it in, and I'm like, is that level right? And Miss, yeah, it's good, Dad. The bubble's just touching that little line. And what do I say to Dad? We gotta tear that whole thing out and do it again. You know why? Because if I start with that thing half a bubble off, what's it gonna be at the end? It's gonna be a mess. And so that's the thing about the truth. You have to be honest with yourself. How can you actually be honest with yourself? What's the role of the Holy Spirit? To convict you of all sin and to lead you into truth. Again, you have to have the Holy Spirit in your life to know the truth. And you have to read the Word. His Word is truth, right? He's going to set us free. Okay, so I'm standing here. The last thing I'm saying, just as a little tool here, is know your name. Know your name. You might be a moon worshiper in the land of Ur who marries your hot sister. And then all of a sudden, God calls you. And the moon worshiper who marries his hot sister, his name is Abram, right? But God calls him out of that land and brings him into a new land, into the promised land, and he renames him what? Abraham. You might, Satan might tell you you're Kylo Ren, but what's your actual name? Ben Solo. Does, does that make sense? For you older people, he might call you Darth Vader, but your real name might actually be Anakin Skywalker. See, this name thing is important to know who you are. You might think that that's, oh, that's dusty old Strider. He's just smoking his pipe. He's sitting in the prancing pony, sitting by the fire. That might actually be Aragorn, the king. It might be Aragorn, the king. Do you, is anybody hear what I'm saying? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? 
Find your name. Know who you are. You are a child of the king. If you want a more sophisticated, read Mark Twain, The Prince and the Pauper. And you could have Tom Canty and Edward Tudor. But I thought Ben Solo and Kylo Ren was better for the illustration. So, know your name. So, see as God sees. Know the truth. And know your name. Okay. Last thing I want to do, and then I'm going to get the heck out of Dodge here. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus such that his roar would shock the bear and make the bear run away? Well, it's the same one David was talking about, right? David says, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. That's right. He will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. Who is this Jesus when they look back on him, not proclaiming him, but exclaiming him, they say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was light, and the light was the life of men. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. See, Romans 1. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son in his earthly life who was born into the King David's family line. And he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ is shown to be who he is as the Holy Spirit rips him out of the grave and fills him with life. Who is this Jesus? Hebrews 1, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. Colossians, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus is before all things, and he holds all creation together. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For God in all his fullness was pleased to dwell in Jesus. For God in all his fullness, was pleased to dwell with Christ. I want you to walk out of here today thinking that Jesus is even more awesomer than you thought before you walked in. Can you do that for me? He is so amazing. And when that bear comes at you, which it will, a lot of times it's self-induced bear attacks. I don't know if you ever know that. That's mostly my story. Sorry, Anna. Um, but when that bear comes at you, have a vision. Believers see different than anyone else. Know the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And know your name. Your real name is that you are a child of God. That you've been adopted out of brokenness into the king's family. And no accusation will stand against you, not because you're actually able to scare away that bear, but no accusation of shame 
an attack and an unworthiness will stand against you because that 75,000 pound Jesus bear also covers you with his blood. And that blood covers everything. Covers everything. Amen?